Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you that, uh, for, for reminding us of Hannah's faithfulness in prayer. And uh, it seems like that's something that's, that's been a theme today where we've been talking about, about prayer. And it's, uh, it's great because it's, it is important to be praying. Um, it is important to be praying for your adopted street as well. And that adopted street needs your prayers. What I saw when I was looking in all the channels was I saw a lot of people talking about um, so, so many streets that were just people, not a lot of action, not a lot of people action happening on them. It just seemed like houses and cars, you know, um, and, and a few people's streets were just buzzing with community. And so one of the things that, that we get to do as Promise Church is we get to pray for community. We get to pray that people are connected in the way that God designed us to be, to be connected, and ultimately to be connected to Him as well as they're connected in their community. And so um, I just encourage you, if you miss this week, then do two weeks this week. Get week one and week two done this week, and, uh, and upload it onto Slack, because it's so encouraging. When we see it happening on Slack, we're like, oh yeah, that's happening, and, and look what happened on this street, and oh, that person's experience was similar to mine. Um, so many of you did so much typing. I don't understand. You could just take a picture. You did the writing. Take a picture. Um, easy, but whatever. There's nothing wrong. If you want to type it out, type it out, um, but definitely stay involved with Adopt-A-Street. It's so important, and, uh, and I was so encouraged to see what was happening. Let me pray as we reflect on Galatians 4. 8 to 20. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we will we'll go on. God, I thank you that you have brought us to a development of understanding of who you are. God, I thank you that you are revealing yourself to us. From what we knew to what we will know is such a broad journey. And so, Jesus, I pray that for each one of us, wherever we are on that journey today, I pray that you would allow us to take some account what you have done in our life, what you are doing in our life, and what you promised to do, the way we've seen you in the past, the way we see you now, and the way we will see you in the future. God, I pray that as we go through this message today, I pray that, that you would speak, and it wouldn't be my words, that it wouldn't be my insights, but that you would speak, and Holy Spirit, we know you do that in the spaces where we are. We know that you are eager to speak to us when we pause for a moment and give you the space in our hearts and in our minds to speak. And so today we ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to reflect for a moment, and this is going to involve Slack. Um, so I want you to reflect on who you were 10 years ago. Now this is a couple of things that we're going to incorporate onto Slack and start typing even now, just who you were 10, 10 years ago. What, what did you believe? Maybe you have a photo from 10 years ago. Maybe you could go back into like your, your photo thing and select years and just go back to 2011 and just pick a random photo of you, upload it onto Slack. You know, whatever you want to do, where were you 10 years ago? What did you believe? What's something about you that defined you 10 years ago? You know, 2011 seems like a long time ago in some ways, but in other ways, it wasn't. 
I mean, early 2011, Val and I were still, you know, um, dual income, no kids world, you know, and that was, that was a very different world than where we are now. In 2011, I was a youth pastor, and uh, I mean, I had lots of thoughts about life and where it would go and what was going to happen in the next decade. None of them had me sitting as the lead pastor of a church. None of them. I had no idea. And so what are some of the things that you were doing 10 years ago? So upload it onto Slack if you have Slack with us. If you don't, then you can go to promisechurch.community and you can, um, you, can, you can write something in on the today's message text box and I'll get that right, right, into, my, uh, right into my inbox. And, and it's, it's just a great way to, to share. See, I found my heart to, as a youth pastor, I thought I was going to be a youth pastor forever. But I found my heart expanding to youth as they kind of growed up. They, they kind of were like, on this, we're on this journey together, and we're, we're growing together, and just, they were growing up, and I was like, wait, there are other adults that are growing up as well, and, and my heart was expanding towards adults, and, and it was surprising to me. I mean, I love youth. I love the youth of this church, and we are in conversations about how to get our youth group up and going again, and what that means, and, and we're really excited that, that we have some people stepping up and, and getting ready to, to move when we're allowed. Um, someone just wrote in Slack, uh, Rob Good was my youth pastor in 2011, and that's true. Um, and, and so, this, is, this has been great. We, we're, we're working to get that youth stuff going. But I've been challenged about my understanding of the gospel in those past 10 years. I've been challenged in, in what I believed about the gospel then and what I believe about the gospel now and, and the growth and development that happened there. I saw, I saw so much about God's promises throughout the Bible and the way that they all link together and lead to the personhood of Jesus and lead to the return of Jesus and it expanded my view of the gospel. So the way that I understood God 10 years ago is not the way that I understand God today. There was stuff that's changed and grown and God has shown himself to me, and those are great pictures on, on Slack. Um, and, and so, God has shown himself to me differently. Has your view of God changed over the past decade? Has your view of God expanded? Has it been corrected in some ways? Have, has your view of God been altered in any way over the past 10 years? Or is your view of God the same as what it was 10 years ago? And uh, lots, of, lots of family stuff happening, you know, and on Slack, and wow, that's really cool about like where people were, which is awesome. I love it. Lots of pregnancies in 2011, too. So, <clears throat> here we are. In our text today, we discover that Paul is asking people to reflect and compare. Reflect and compare where you were to where you are today. Let's read our text. <clears throat> Galatians 4, 8 to 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now you have come to know God, or rather, be known by God. Really important. 
How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of this world whose slaves you, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you to become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at the first. And, through, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Jesus Christ. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Wow. Wow. So, there is a big piece of a reflection of where you were to where God has brought you today. You know, Paul has taken them all the way through. You are being influenced by traditionalists, and I introduced you to Jesus, who is your salvation. I introduced you to Jesus, who's your salvation. And Paul has challenged the people that they were being bewitched by these Judaizers. And it isn't right. It isn't right that they were being pulled back. Paul takes a different approach this time. He appeals to the history of what they used to believe. And, and they're to compare these three things. And I want us to compare these three things today. Consider what you used to believe. Every human being develops belief of the world as they grow. We very, very quickly develop a belief of the world. We have an understanding of the world, and, and we develop these things. They say that the beliefs you learn before 11 are the most fundamental beliefs that you hold in your mind about the world. These big cosmic beliefs, these big understandings of the world, you're developing them very, very young. Culturally, the people of Galatia, they received beliefs about the Roman Empire, they received beliefs about the, the Roman gods, and some of them believed that they were real, some of them believed that they were stories meant to create moralism, and some of them believed that, that they were subject to the whims of these capricious gods. That was what they believed. But in our culture, what you believe is very different. The way you've developed in the world, the context in which you have grown, is different. And it's varied for all of us. What did you believe in your upcoming years? Did you come from a family that believed in God? Did you grow up in a highly Puritan moral culture? Or did you grow up where God was far away, you know, and, and, and kind of distant and not really existent? Did God matter? Was there a God? Is there a God? I can't ever stand here and outline all the multifaceted views of God in which we might have come from. But I do know that, that they have influenced what you believe about the world. 
And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, what did you believe? What, what did you believe then? How effective were those beliefs that you had in bringing you to God? What, what was their effectiveness? I mean, I think of Martin Luther, and he was scaling the, the Scala Sancta in Rome, and the story goes, as he tells it, that as he was praying his Hail Marys every single step, he was going up, trying to see that God was going to forgive him of his sins, trying to, you know, that the whole piece of the, of the Scala Sancta is that, is that it's it's actually these stairs that, that Christ walked along in his crucifixion. And, and, you're, and you're going up, and at the top, there's an image of Christ on the cross. And, and we're approaching the cross. We're approaching in need of forgiveness. And Martin Luther is going up every single stair, praying. And he says in some of his writings, he says that he had this moment of question is this actually doing anything? Is it, is it changing something? Is God now doing something because I'm climbing these stairs on my knees praying? What's happening here? Is it effective? Does God really forgive me? What Martin Luther grew up with was being challenged. We have these moments of challenge in our life where something is being brought up. Paul reflects on how the ways before were weak, worthless, and elementary principles of the world. It means that there are iterations of what we all believe that there are weak and worthless and elementary. We have these thoughts. And we say, we say okay, so, so that's, that's important. And so, we earn favor by being good. That's one of the thoughts. We get punished for being bad. That's another common thought. We want things to be just and fair. That's another common thought. So consider what you learned about Jesus. The gospel made you receive me like Paul was an angel. When, when we see in the text that, that the gospel was brought out, that it was like, oh, the, we see that God, was, uh, God was, was revealed and it was received with great joy. A revelation was brought. The gospel changed what they believed and invited them into a new story. A story that meant that they could take care of Paul, a man who had ailments. A story that would, they've given out their own eyes for him. So what happened to you when you first received the message of Jesus? What happened to you? What, what, was, what was something that changed here? For some, they realized that the life that they'd been living was a shadow of what it could be. For some, they felt relief and acceptance for the first time. But what happened to you when you received Jesus? What were some of the things that, that went on there? One person told me that they felt a weight of expectation fall off their back when they met Jesus. Consider the joy and the blessing of hearing of Jesus. The gospel story is a story of God coming to you. A story that says that the systems that you grew up with, 
didn't work. But God comes to you in the person of Jesus. The gospel promises to set all things right. So consider what you're being led into. All humanity is growing and learning. Okay, so there is a huge caution here that I need all of us to get. We've talked about what what you believe. We talked about Jesus coming and changing what you believe about God because all of the systems you had didn't work, and now Jesus is bringing you to God. But there's a caution here. It is possible to to have been revealed the truth of Jesus, to accept the truth of Jesus, and then to be distracted by that which you grew up with. It's possible for you to have all of these things where Jesus comes in, you have this great moment where it's like, oh yeah, but then write in all of your previous understanding and think that nothing changed. And think that you're still on the road towards Jesus. It's possible that we get led into something that is less than truth. See, where you come from is a core definer of what you tend towards. I mean, there's a lot of sociological studies to show that where you come from influences what you believe and where you go later. A lot of them have been said through, a, through a, a, a cynical perspective, saying that religion is indoctrination. But I'm going to suggest the passage shows us something unique. It shows us that Jesus comes and changes people's very real core belief systems. But those belief systems, they become fragile. They're fragile belief systems. And so... It shows us that he can change your belief systems. So do you want to be a slave once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years? Okay, that's what he's talking about. He's like, you get pulled back into that which you grew up with. You get pulled back into your initial understanding of God. They, they did so because they had an affinity towards it. It's comfortable. For us, no matter where you come from, you're still going to, you receive Jesus, but the danger is that we get pulled back into our old way of thinking about it. If you came from a Puritan, moral, legalistic perspective, you're going to get pulled back towards that. That gravity, that inertia is going to keep on going, and we have to continue to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, show me. If you come from another place of like pure liberalism and and universalism and then you're, you're showing Jesus, you're going to have that pull towards this, this liberalism and universalism and it's going to pull you. And the, and, and the constant call to Christians is to look to Christ. You know, uh, the verse that I'm skipping a little ahead to is my little children whom I get, um, again, in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. This is so important for us, where Christ is being formed in us, and it is not what we grew up with, but it is Christ. See, just to go back, the gospel 
does not affirm where you came from. It affirms Jesus regardless of where you came from. If you look at Jesus and you say, how does Jesus change my, my preconceptions about the world? He will always be challenging you. As a minister, I am challenged when I look at Jesus and I go, wow, I still didn't have it. I still don't have it all sorted out to this is the final piece. I still haven't grasped all of what it is to have Christ formed in me. I am still being changed by the Holy Spirit's work. If Jesus doesn't make you uncomfortable in some way, you need to look at Jesus a little bit closer. Because what's happening oftentimes is we've accepted Jesus and we get pulled back into our pre-constructed ideas of what God and goodness and whatever was. And, and we just make Jesus' message work inside of that. And we need to look at Jesus closer so that he makes us feel uncomfortable and say, oh, I need to change some things here. I need to be adjusting because God himself will not be defined by this small thing outside of the person of Jesus. You know, in, in the Easter story, we see, we see the disciples, and they are, you know, we've got this, this super neat vision of the Lord's Supper, you know, this beautiful moment, but in that moment, you've got the disciples arguing about who's got power, who's more powerful, or just coming into that, that who is the greatest. We've got a, a traitor sitting in the midst of Jesus saying, oh, I, I, I'm going to to do something. We, we, get, we get a disciple in there who, who Jesus had just previously told, get behind me, Satan. The person of Jesus is constantly challenging our preconceptions of God. So today, I want us to let Jesus challenge our current positions. That comparison of what you believed 10 years ago to what you believe today, I hope, that there is change that's happened. I hope that there is growth that has happened. I hope that today that you will be reminded of the person of Jesus and you will ask yourself, in what ways do I try to go back to the old ways? What ways are just familiar to me that I say, oh, well, this is the structure? And in what ways does Jesus challenge them? Let him make you uncomfortable. Let him guide you through the word where we see a different peace, a different understanding. And this works for all of us, even, even those who have been lifers in Christianity. We come back afresh and we say, God, show me who you are. And what does that look like in this world? The gospel will challenge your expectations of what God is doing. Jesus working way further with, with more people than we would ever think. He's working with those who we see no evidence of his work. And he's working to redeem and love and welcome the least of these. Let me pray. God, as we go through this moment of reflection and this service where we've been thinking about 10 years ago, we think about the way we were living and the way that life has changed. And we think about 
the, the today. We think about the ways that you have challenged us. And God, I pray that we would be people who would be on our toes, alert, looking at you, and not just settling back into comfortable systems in which we grew up with, but that we would look at you. We would understand you. God, that you would give us the space, the understanding to rebuild and to reshape our view of you in a more accurate way around you. In Jesus' name, amen.